The Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman in the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace. There was a study done in England a couple years ago. In it, fans of the Manchester United soccer team were given short surveys that asked them to reflect on why that specific soccer club was their favorite. What makes your team the best one there is, the survey asked. What do you like about other Manchester fans? And with team loyalty at the very front of their brain, each participant was then told that the study continued across a parking lot in another building. But on the way there, as one by one they crossed that parking lot, an accident was staged in which a runner pretended to fall and hurt his ankle. And participants were watched to see whether or not they noticed and if so, whether they chose to offer help. Now the variable in this study was the shirt that the falling runner was wearing. In some cases, he was wearing a Manchester United jersey, and in some cases, he was wearing the jersey of Liverpool football club, Manchester's arch rival. You can guess where this is going, can't you? <laughs> Participants were found to offer help much more readily when the runner was wearing their team's jersey, and they rarely offered help when the runner was rooting for the other team. 
The researchers concluded that while it was indeed empathy that drove participants to intervene and help the fallen runner, empathy was only aroused in the participants when they saw the victim to be someone like them, someone of their tribe. This seems pretty terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> like, some of our best human impulses are already tainted by existing underlying prejudices that we carry. Like, we're not even able to feel sympathy or lend a helping hand to someone who we don't see as already part of our in-group. But the experiment wasn't over. Researchers took a second group of Manchester fans and exposed them to the following, falling runner, but this time, instead of having them take a survey beforehand that had them reflect on their identity as fans of that specific team, the survey asked them to reflect on being a soccer fan in general. What was it about the sport that they liked? When did they start enjoying soccer and how? And what was it about soccer that made it such a beautiful game? When this group saw the runner, it made no difference which jersey he was wearing. They were likely to help him at high rates, even when he was sporting the arch-rival Liverpool's jersey. And that's what's so interesting to me. Because it's that same Liverpool jersey, but the two groups of participants perceived its meaning differently. To the first group, that Liverpool jersey was a marker of difference and separation, a signal that this person was not like you and didn't deserve help. But to the second group, the Liverpool jersey was now seen as a marker of similarity. Sure, they were rooting for a different team, but they're still a soccer fan, right? The lesson, I think, is this. We may only be able to help people we think are like us, but we are able to shift the boundaries of who we think is like us. We're able to widen our sphere of care and concern. This is what Jesus is doing in today's text. He's walking right up to the boundaries of his hometown's perception about who's in and who's out, who's like them and who's not, and he's pushing against those boundaries until something happens. Much like people in every time and place, the people from Nazareth are much more likely to claim someone as part of their community if that person is either successful or familiar to them. And they're much less likely to claim someone as part of their community if that person is strange or if that person is suffering. This is why they're so quick to claim Jesus the text tells us that a report is spreading about Jesus. Everyone in the region is praising him, and the, his town has seen him grow up in their midst. Jesus is talented, and he's known. It's easy to see him as part of the community. But Jesus knows 
that for every person like him that they place in the center, there are others that they ignore and keep on the sidelines. Jesus knows that this type of thinking is dangerous. He knows that when we train ourselves to view only the bright and beautiful or those who are very similar to us as our community, we miss the truth. We don't know who exactly is in our community until we decide to pay attention, to wake up to those living different lives in our midst, to listen for stories that don't confirm our pre-existing ideas and experiences, but instead to listen for stories that break open our assumptions, open our hearts, and widen our vision. That's where community begins, in things being broken wide open. True community begins in the breaking of people's preconceived notions of each other. True community begins when the boundaries we set for who is in are widened. True community begins when windows of insight across lines of difference are opened. That's what Jesus is getting at in his words today. This is his very first act of public ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus is giving us a mission statement of sorts. He knows that throughout time, certain groups tend to be placed on the margins and in the shadows of any community's life together. And Jesus is saying that what God is about and has always been about is us experiencing the fullness of life and the fullness of community, but also that that doesn't happen unless those who are perennially on the sidelines are brought into the fold. Jesus uses words to describe these people like poor, captives, blind, oppressed. He talks about these people by telling stories of how God called the prophets in the Old Testament to heal not faithful and familiar Israelites, but foreigners of different faiths. Jesus, then and now, seems to care about the ones who lie just on the other side of the boundaries we erect around ourselves. Jesus places himself on the other side of the walls we build to divide us. And he does so not out of any sense of self-righteous posturing, but in the sincere hope that we might follow him there. That we might cross the very lines that we have created, that we might re-examine and redraw our bounds of who is in and who is out, and glorify God when our vision of community is broken and widened and opened. This is the first public act of Jesus, but the rest of the New Testament is basically just riffing on this theme. 
Read the letters of Paul. Read the book of Acts. And you'll find story after story of people praising God for breaking them wide open to see how God is working through people around them whom they had previously ignored or antagonized. A good portion of scripture is people just grappling with the realization that God has showed up to them in people that they never would have chosen for themselves. Jews and Greeks share a holy meal. Men and women take leadership in the early church. Slaves and slave owners care for the sick and dying. Rich and poor alike spread the good news. God is about bringing people together and blessing them by breaking their previous notions of community wide open. In this epiphany, God is about doing this among us. The next several weeks in worship, we're featuring some of our many community partners And they're going to share with us some realities and facets of life in the West Metro that we might not regularly be exposed to. Maybe realities that we're not even aware of. Maybe even realities that we sometimes try to ignore. Hunger, poverty, domestic violence, immigration, incarceration, and homelessness. These are realities for many in our communities. These are quite literally our neighbors, and God has called us to pray for our communities and serve our neighbors, but we can't pray for our community unless we know what to pray for. And we can't serve our neighbors until we know their concrete needs. So as we engage these voices that we might not often hear, our sense of community and sense of perception of this place, it changes. Our boundaries of who's in and who's out widen. And that's how God is at work in all of it. That's how God is giving us a blessing in this. Because God's goodness is revealed when we discover how rich Our community is when our vision is widened. And God's love is revealed when we find the face of God in a stranger. May you know God's love for you as you listen to new voices. And may you too be broken wide open. Amen.